Hey guys, and welcome back to Front Boards and Four Baggers, episode 18. I'm Eddie with Cornhole Bagger Reviews, and we got Corbin with Corbin's Cornhole Reviews, and another special guest this week. You know, last time we had Matt Ryan, today we got the blind squirrel himself, Ryan Windsor. Ryan, thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So a little bit about, I mean, these aren't even close to all your accolades, but some of the big picture stuff. So 2017 ACO doubles world champ, 2018 ACO singles world champ, 2018 ACO singles national champion, 2019 ACO player of the year, 2019 ACO singles national champ, 2021 ACO final chase champ. (laughs) Holy crap, man. You've been around for a while. You've been at the top for a while, which is insane. The longevity, especially the way that the game has really evolved in the last couple of years and just the the talent pool at the level that it's at, probably higher than it's ever been. Still competing at the top level, still making the TV finals is really, really awesome to see. So uh, what do you think has been like the the reason you've been able to stay maybe consistent for that long? Is it just is it just like knowing how to handle the pressure or just being used to it? Like what, what do you think's helped you stay at the top for that long? Yeah, definitely. Uh, consistency is key. I feel like I've had a successful year since I've, or every year has been successful for me ever since I have really started. Um, I feel like a huge, huge key to my success is honestly my mom, because uh, when she bought a house, she bought a house with a nice uh, 32 by 40 Morton building that has like central air. So it has like heating, cooling, bathroom and all that stuff and i can fit a set of boards in there and i can practice uh every day no matter the weather like if it's snowing out i'll just turn on the heat if it's super hot out i'll turn on the air you know whatever and she only lives 10 minutes from where i live and she's had that place for like six years now or so so that's really been a big key to my success is having that uh, morton building and having a spot to practice that way i can go practice every single day for, you know, three to five hours or whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, your mom's awesome. So <laughs> jealous, man. Cause, cause yeah, for a lot of people who don't know, you're Illinois, correct? You're based in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. So Cuba, I, Cuba, Illinois, Cuba, Illinois. So we got Corbin's in Detroit and I'm in Minneapolis, yep. right? So, Plenty of cold weather, plenty of snow, and and a lot of the reason we talk about in Minneapolis that the scene maybe hasn't taken off uh, to the level of you know all the other areas. I'm sure Illinois is the same. You guys got a couple pros, but it's not North Carolina, Florida, like all these powerhouse cities. And it's just because unless you have a building like that, blind draws is the only practice you're getting. I know for me, like I want to practice, and it's just kind of like, well, I go to my blind draw two hours early, try to throw as much as I can. But that's kind of the extent of the practice I can get unless you have a building like that. So that's super awesome that you got that facility. Yeah, blind draws are blind draws are fun, but you don't really get a lot of reps. You know, a lot of facilities or a lot of bars or whatever, you can only fit like, you know, four sets of boards and you'll have a lot of people. So there's really just a lot of sitting around drinking beer and just chit chatting at blind draws. So yeah. I can't really get a lot of reps in that way. You know, when I practice at home, I can just throw and throw and throw and throw till like my arm falls off. <laughs> but so we'll get into talking a little bit about the bags. Corbin, you want to start? We'll flip it. You can start with the typhoon and then go into car yeah, after. But. I'd love to. Yep. Um, so we got the typhoons. So we got five, eight speeds on those uh, pretty much surefire materials, right? Everyone. I mean, mostly everyone's throwing typhoons. That's probably watching this phenomenal bag. Reynolds really killed it with it. I think coming out with something a little bit different than the regular carpet. Um, but they're 55 plus shipping on the website. 
How do you like them, Ryan? I mean, I know I've seen you throw them a little bit, but you're mostly a carpet guy. So how do you like the typhoons comparatively? Um, I I was actually throwing the typhoons quite a bit, roughly two or three months ago. I remember I won a tournament in Kansas City. I beat Matt Guy mm-hmm. in the championship throwing yep. my typhoons. Um, I would say the typhoons are nice uh, for the most general public or whatever. But for me personally, it was hard to flop and roll with them. And that's kind of who I am. And that's how I play. But the thing I love the most about the typhoons is... Uh, they're a lot easier to airmail. So it's more of just slide block and airmail. So basically sure. everything was just in a straight line for me compared to the platinums that I've been throwing recently. I can do reverse curveballs, normal curveballs, flops. And, you know, I, I can really do every angular shot I want to. But with a typhoon, it's basically I can't do that. It's just straight line right down the middle. Yeah, just straight in. I get that. How do you like the typhoons, Eddie? Well, and so I, you, everyone knows I throw a lot of surefires. I throw a lot of surefire variants, yep. and I throw surefires. Are probably my main bag that I throw. The thing that I like the typhoon the most, and that I said um, in my comparison of surefires to typhoons and everything, was that because the typhoon was a tad bigger and a tad floppier than a normal surefire, I found it collected ridiculously easy compared mm. to a normal surefire like um, i'm a big i'm not a flop roll guy but i'm a huge cut shot guy left right cut right left cut like power cut shots and uh, i could cut the typhoon super super easily and i thought that i could cut collect typhoons really really easily like the movement i could get out of it even with it being that surefire forgiving bag is the reason i thought it was a really good bag and to your point airmail drags were like super easy for me like uh it's just that bigger bag i felt like if i hit any part of the bag in an airmail it would yank it with so i i really enjoyed the airmail ability of the typhoon so i mean everyone knows that i throw my surefires but the typhoons i'm i'm always down to throw typhoons if anyone wants to throw typhoons yeah, they're they're not a bad bag at all. I mean, when Reynolds came out with them, I was like, "This is different." They're kind of switching things up, and it's. I think they killed it with them. Everyone loves them, and I I see them thrown constantly. Um, I'm on the same page as Ryan. Basically, you know, it's it's a good enough bag. I like it enough, but you know, surefire variants aren't exactly my thing. I'd much just rather throw carpet in that essence. You know, get the maneuverability of the carpet, but they are a really good bag. Um, let's get into the platinums, Ryan. You throw those right now. So we got like four and seven to seven and a half speeds on those. Um, 65 plus shipping on the website, windsorbags.com. Um, what do you like more about those than you did the pro advantages? So I was testing a lot of materials in my Morton building that I mentioned earlier. And I was trying to come up with this perfect bag. There was a bag I really, really liked like six years ago. And I won't exactly say what it was, but I was trying to like replicate that bag, but I also still wanted the carpet bag. So it was figuring out that slick side. Um, I was testing a bunch of stuff and uh, basically the comparing the pro advantage to the platinum, the pro advantage was felt more full to me. And so I think since they were slightly more full, they would kind of hold up on the whole a little bit more. So that would cause me to like shoot air mails on my last bag to try and drag that bag because they weren't like, you know, they just weren't falling in for me. But these platinum bags, it, they're they're a little bit more looser. So I think that's, that caused them to be a little bit more hole friendly. And I think, uh, like you mentioned, it was a four and a seven. So they're slightly still slower than the Typhoons. You know, I always throw slow bags. I struggle really bad with fast bags because... <laughs> 
the way I throw my bag. Yeah, well, you know, we'll get into that. About, Don't worry. You know, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into, <laughs> we'll get into that. that. I really, yeah. <laughs> that's hard to describe how I throw, but either way, generally how I throw is low and hard. That way, I can really follow through with my shot. So I'll always yeah. throw a slow bag. Do you have issues uh, like flapping and rolling the platinums compared to the the pro advantage since they're a little more loose? No, I can still do every shot uh, possible. It's just when I miss the shots, I just throw it wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Huh? And I know weird, you, yeah. I just heard you on K9 stream at the last uh, gauntlet you were just at or whatever, and you said, uh, you know, if you want it a little slower, you could boil them. If you want it a little quicker, you can do the softener wash or whatever. But I, I, I was watching you throw, and and maybe the set you were throwing, I think they were saying on the pod, or on the cast that it wasn't like fully, fully broken in yet. But uh, they were like glue, man. I felt like you were yeah. whipping those things like they were as slow. hard as you could. I mean, um. Those boards were honestly the reason for that. Like all those main stage boards were, uh, I can't remember exactly what they were, but they played a lot slower than all of the other boards. So the board conditions also play a huge role in that. But also like right now, um, since I was, uh, you know, I'm about to leave for Vegas. How I break in my bags before big tournaments is I'll put them in the washer and dryer and stuff, and that will uh, loosen them up and get them a little bit faster, more hole friendly. So I'm doing that now, right before I leave for Vegas. So, but last week I had them where I haven't done that to them in probably a month or two. So those were probably the slowest they'll be. And I don't know. They're, there's so much little stuff, you know, it's hard to explain all, all the little things, but I'm really confident going in Vegas here in a few days and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, and that's why you talk to like, I talk to some pros or I talk to some bag manufacturers and stuff and they'll say like, you can get almost any bag to be within like a three, four speed range, depending on what you do to them. If you leave conditioner in them, if you get them dirty as shit, if you make them super fuzzy, I mean like there's so many. So like when people say like, oh, what does this play like? It's like, well, which version did you get? <laughs> do you have a boiled, super dirty version? Cause that's going to be a puff ball. That's super slow. Is it a wrinkle guarded to hell version? Then it's probably gonna be a little quicker. So I, I think people underestimate just the, the levels of difference depending on what you do to them and what you're saying you're washing all the dirt out it's going to make them nice and hole friendly again you know more than what they have been in the last couple of tournaments yeah for sure and i think i think the colors play a difference too it's like not just with like you know windsor bags or reynolds bags but it's, it's all the other companies as well like if you take all Cornell and game changers, whatever, like every bag is going to be different. Mm -hmm. You know, no bag is ever going to be the same, no matter which company it's from. White, white is always faster. Yep. White carpet is faster carpet, than always, black carpet. Like black carpet is the slowest because of the dark yep. ink. And I even talk to manufacturers that say the same thing. If you have black anything, like I have two bags that are a white and a black and it's significantly different in speed. It's so like it's it, that's why I, I mostly throw a white carpet. I just like white carpet because I feel like I can get it dirty and bring it down to the level that I want. But it's hard to speed up carpet once it starts slowing down if it's really, really dark in my opinion. But um, so we'll get a little bit into your backstory. So obviously you've been around for a while playing competitive for years now, but like, how did you get into it? Was it just like a backyard camping like the rest of us or like, you know, what, what was kind of your introduction into Cornhole? So I first found out about the game of Cornhole when I was 14 years old, currently 25. So that was 11 years ago. I was 
like a freshman in high school probably and I got into the game from my dad and then uh one of my good buddies that was my neighbor his name was Chad Wilson and that's who I practiced with all the time was my dad and Chad Wilson and play tournaments with and uh, my dad was my partner when I first started and we'd get like second and third a lot and then I just practice, practice, practice till I, and then I finally won a tournament. But yeah, I started when I was 14 and that's, those were the two people that introduced me to the game. But unfortunately, both of those two passed away when I was 18 years old. So, uh, that's what really motivated me to like want to go pro and really like dedicate everything I have to this game and to this sport and just to make them proud. So I achieved, uh, everything I wanted to do or what they wanted me to do. So that's really cool. Um, it is awesome. So do you find now, I mean, obviously you do a lot of practicing by yourself in, in your, in your area, your barn. Do you have like, are, are like, do you have a good competition in your area or do you just kind of invite really good players over to get that kind of practice or like, where, where are you going to get, like, how do you get that good level competition without going to events? My toughest opponent is myself, so I'll play games against myself. So, like, I'll have eight bags. You know, I'll have uh, my four blue platinums and my four ten platinums. I think ten plays a little slower. Those were the ones that were boiled, and the blue ones were fabric softener, and I wash and dry both. But my blue ones are slightly faster. But I'll play games against myself, like blue versus tan. And when I'm blue platinums i'll play like an aggressive ryan windsor and then my tan ones i'll play like a defensive or more patient ryan windsor and i'll keep score and i'll i usually do a best out of, best out of seven so that's how i practice i practice against myself for the most part you know blind draws like i said it's just a lot of bullshit and drinking beer having fun it's not like true practice for me so i mean sometimes people will come over but usually I just like to be by myself. That way I can get the most reps in. Nice. And then uh, what do you think is the biggest difference going and, – and not asking you to say anything bad about either one or the other, but from your time in ACO to ACL, what is the, kind of like the biggest differences you've seen playing in the two? Is it just purely like the level of competition has it gone up? Is the Do you like the formats a little bit differently? Like what, what, where's, where have you kind of seen the big differences playing both? It's kind of like college basketball compared to the NBA. I mean, uh, the ACL is by far the best and highest league to sure. play in. You know, there's like 60 players that are just insanely good that can win any tournament compared to ACL. There's, you know, just a couple, I guess. Sure. Um, and I guess we'll, let's uh, talking about that. We'll transition a little bit into now what it's like to be a pro. So obviously you're going to the nationals and you're going to some of the opens. I mean, are you traveling every weekend? Like how often do you feel like you're traveling to, to play? Are you trying to do as much as you can or like, where are you, where are you kind of at the traveling? So just this year, I started the year new years in uh, Myrtle beach. And then I was in like Iowa and then Kentucky and then, uh, I was just, I was in a different state. I was just in Arkansas and Oklahoma. Now I'm going to Vegas. And then next weekend is, uh, Cali. And then I'll be going to, uh, another one in, or North Dakota. And then the next weekend I'll be hosting the top dog tournament here in Illinois. 
So it's literally every weekend for me. I'm in a different state. So traveling definitely gets expensive. But uh, thankfully, I have amazing sponsors that help me out. And usually I place fairly well in the tournaments. So that definitely helps. But um, yeah. Corbin, you can take the next couple of months. Yeah, it's, I actually saw you down in Kentucky. Um, you're at the blind draw, the one on the Friday night, that crazy busy bar <laughs> oh yeah and then that yeah sucks. yeah dude yeah that was something else talking about cramming six six boards into a bar right <laughs> but yeah i saw you down there um that was a fun one um so with i mean with the travel i think a lot of people understand you know traveling's difficult about being a pro but like what's something that some people don't understand about being a pro um i would say basically uh what you do off the court, like uh, you're very limited on time, like getting your sponsors for your jerseys, you know, cause the world champions, like the world championship ends then you have to figure out who you're going to partner with. And then you have to figure out all five of your sponsors. You have to get all the logos and like certain PDF formats, this and that. And then you got to submit those to the ACL really, really quick. And then that way they can have a couple months or whatever to have the jersey's done in time for the first national. So really like there's no off season in cornhole. Like you have to be on your A game and you have to be putting in the work like literally every single week, every single month. Like yep. there's, there's no, there's no breaks really. It, it's just constant nonstop action. So would you say that being, you know, the constant nonstop, the scrambling, all that, is that the hardest part? Or is there something more difficult for you? Like, is the gameplay the hardest part for you? Or is there something else? Um, there's not one particular thing that's the hardest. It's just like any other sport. It's, it all comes down to the little things. And when you add up all those little things at, at the very end, that's going to be what makes you, I guess. It's just, it's not one particular thing to me. I think uh, you have to be very well balanced and you know, not just with bags, but just in life in general. You just have to balance everything out. I think well, that's those, that's perfect. And those opens too. I mean, or opens or nationals. Like when when this makes TV or whatever, people like hop on the TV and then they see you know the same probably group of like ten to twenty people that make most of the TV finals, and they're like, oh, this person's on TV again. But they don't see the. I mean, these tournaments are like. 10, 12 rounds. I mean, you're playing for hours and hours and hours. And then let's like the next day you have one game on TV and you need to be on your A game in that one game. So I, I think just so much of people don't understand that you're not only playing at the top level, but you're playing at the top level for like a 10 hour day because you're resting in between games. Like there's so much downtime between games and then you're playing against some of the best players in the world. So, I mean, there's just so much that goes into it that aren't just what you see on TV that I think if you're not into the pro scene or into the sport, you're not seeing all that stuff behind the scenes. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. That actually kind of answers his question earlier about what is the hardest thing. And the hardest thing is being on your A game 10 to 12 hours every single day. Cause it's usually three days long. And usually uh, like you just mentioned, you play 10 hours and it's extremely hard to win your bracket. And even if you win your bracket, that's what gets you on TV, but it's the next day. So then it's like, okay, well, every day you're going to play different, you know? So 
Uh, I think that's the hardest thing for me. I wish they would kind of just do the final four to the TV during that same day because <clears throat> it's hard to kind of be in your zone and on your A game on a different day. Have you found the TV courts um, play differently than like, obviously the broadcast court, like the canine stuff, it's usually off to the side. Maybe it's less humid. I, I know those play a little bit different, but when it's just the broadcast court and it's kind of like got the stands and everything, do those boards play vastly different from what you're used to all weekend? For sure. They sometimes uh, it's either a lot slower or a lot faster, but sometimes it's right in the middle, but they're definitely, uh, because the, the main stage is always set up in like a different arena or completely elsewhere from where the tournament is held. So it's completely different conditions and humidity and all that. And you don't really get much warm up or practice up there. So you, you just have to adjust like real quick. And if you don't, well, you're going to get smacked probably. <laughs> Yeah, and Corbin, I don't mean to go off on so many random questions, but the, no, you're the, fine. Go ahead. The other one I had too is like, so we talked to some other pros about this because I, I don't think you're a music guy. Like you're not, you don't have headphones in usually when you're playing. Um, sometimes you do, but I don't think it's often. Do you find that having Trey and the announcers right there on the side is distracting for you? Or are you used to it with the noise in the crowd, or like how do you adjust to like hearing basically them telling you what you need to do before you got to do it? Which we've talked to some pros can be distracting. Well, I. I'm definitely a headphones guy on the main stage mm. now. Like a lot of these normal tournaments, I won't really wear headphones that much because I like hearing everything. But if I'm on a national championship on ESPN, I'm going to have my Beats or at least my AirPods in. And I'm going to have them on full blast because when you're in pressure shots, Trey Ryder goes crazy and it's like, <laughs> this is the, the most important shot of this person's career <laughs> you might do this or you might do that and it's like dude let me shoot my shot <laughs> so it's it, definitely very distracting so that's why i'll have headphones on for sure that way i ain't gotta hear that we, we were talking to trey we had trey on the podcast and the funniest story he said was uh i forget his co-announcer's name but like cheyenne renner was like uh shooting for like 24 bags in a row right and and the other announcers like down by the microphone like she's shooting for 24 in a row and then and then trey Ryder's like she's shooting for 24 in a row <laughs> And Trey's like, I don't care what people think. I just shoot my shot, man. I'm screaming the whole time. <laughs> so it's funny you say that. Oh, this is the most important Trey shot in this player's amazing, career. <laughs> Trey does an amazing job at it for sure, but it, it can be very distracting. This one time, Stacy, uh, he was on the mic. It was the national championship I won, actually, but I had my beats on. So I couldn't hear him speaking on the mic. But when I rewatched the footage of it, he was saying stuff on the mic during our matches. I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah, thank God for the headphones then. But um, Corbin, if you want to go into the the players thing, or the, or the yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, so Ryan, we're both kind of we're carpet guys, right? Eddie's more of surefire and quicker bags. I'm all about muddying up the board, making it hard for the opponent. So. Knowing that that's your style, are there any type of players or any specific players, if you feel like mentioning them, that you either play poorly or well against? Uh, I feel like I can pretty much match up very well against everybody. I understand uh, everyone's strengths and weaknesses <clears throat> just based on experience because I've been playing for 11 years. Yeah. And I watch a lot of YouTube videos on all my toughest opponents. Uh I would say my toughest opponent is Matt Guy. 
but he don't even flop and roll and all that. When I block, I know he's going to air mail. Every yeah, he's time. shooting it. But when he, and usually he hits it, so it's like mm-hmm. I'm blocking myself. <laughs> but I don't think, so then I'm like, okay, I'll just go hole for hole with him. And then he'll like throw like 32 in a row or something. And then, but no, I'd say Matt Guy's my tough opponent. And then after that, yeah. it's Trey Birchfield. Um, okay. I love playing Eric. I love playing Eric Davis because he'll he'll always throw blockers. Just highlight reel shots. <laughs> you guys just have sloppy matches. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to play against people like him. Um, but I feel like I feel like I match up pretty good against anybody. So you can just four in the hole. I mean, if you're playing Matt Guy, you don't have a problem having just a long match going four, four, four. You know, if someone misses, hey, two points, cool. Like that doesn't bother you. You don't get to a point of being frustrated and just want to muddy it up and hope he misses pretty much it's going to be a dog fight you know i'm i'm probably going to be dialed in usually and so will he and it could go either way it's going to be a dog fight and he's probably won a little bit more against me than i have against him but maybe it'll be me versus him Uh, let's see see. it so like when you play a person like matt guy right and you know going into it either like let's say you make the choice in your head like i'm just gonna go hole for hole like i don't i don't want to try to block myself do you pull out like your faster platinums or do you use the bag you've been using all day like i mean do you go for a more hole friendly version of what you've been throwing just because you know you don't want to hang up really because you're not going to play that block game or do you or do you just throw the same bag all the time Honestly, there's. I just try to. I just try to focus on myself and my own game. I don't really uh, think about who I'm playing or my opponent so much and what they're doing because it doesn't really matter what they do. Honestly, it matters how I go out and I perform. I'm either dialed in and I'm on my A game, or I'm not. Sure. That is fair. Um, we talk a lot about this between pro advanced competitive stuff like that um what do you think is the biggest difference between like a high level advanced player and then getting into that pro level i would say uh hard to explain but i would say probably 90 to 95 percent of people will just try and go for PPR and just try to slide as many bags in the hole as possible and get the most hole friendly bags as possible. I would say that's how 90 to 95% of people play. But I think the great people or the ones that make pro or the select few or whatever understand the block and flop and roll and get all of those angles because as soon because say if I'm playing one of those players, that's in that 90 to 95% range that just like to slide bags in all day and I throw a blocker, then they're pretty much done for, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think uh, that's the difference between, I, I guess, good and great players or advanced and pro players. I was talking to, uh, I played at a blind drill last night with uh, one of the best teams in Minnesota or the Mexicutioners, you know, Juan and Chico, you were up at triple crown, right? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was playing with them last night for a while and I was talking to Juan and I said, the biggest um, the biggest barrier that Minnesota has is that we don't have any top tier block role players. And the reason I say that is because everyone here isn't good enough to make every single bag in the hole, but they just try to make every single bag in the hole, right? Like I know for me, like I go for cut shots, blocks, pushes, like make the game more difficult. Like, while I still throw surefire. I try to make it more difficult, but there's just not enough people that challenge you enough 
that you have to learn that play style. So then when you go to something like an open or even a triple crown or something, like if I played against you and you just throw a block every round, you're like, well, if you're not used to throwing a cut or a bully or an airmail or a block behind all these other shots, like you instantly are at a disadvantage and then you can just eat them alive, you know? And uh, the, the, the number one thing I say is that mm-hmm. the hardest shot in cornhole, in my opinion, is a perfect block on purpose every time, because if you miss slightly, you give a bumper. And then you can't go collect it because you got slow bags. So I think that's what I'm most impressed with when I see like, you know, a Jimmy Humans or you or, or a top tier carpet player is like their block is always in the middle, right? They're, they're like, they're not off to the side, which, which is the easiest way to give up points. So, but I just think, I just think in all these areas, if it's only game changer players, only fast bag players, you, you, you can't prepare yourself for what you're going to see when you play other play players. The best way I can describe it is it's basically like chess versus checkers. You know, 90 to 95% of people know how to play checkers because it's pretty basic and simple. But chess is like a whole nother level or a whole nother game. And that's how I kind of view or that's kind of my perspective on cornhole is 90 to 95% of players will slide in and will play checkers, but only 5 to 10% will play chess. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Before. I've heard like the chess versus checkers, but I haven't heard the uh, checkers is easy to play and almost everyone could play it, but not many people could play yeah. chess correctly. I mean, which I, I like that analogy. So, but I like that a lot. Now we get into probably the most sought or not sought after, but notable thing about you, yeah, which is your throwing thing. style. Which I can't wait for the ACL video game because you're just going to see someone up on their toes like. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, first of all, how do you not have carpal tunnel in your elbow is my first question. (laughs) But I don't know. I just remember Trey Ryder announcing one of my games once. He's like, you know, Ryan Windsor. Probably bench press is like 140, but I bet he calf raises about 650. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Yeah, you get a lot of reps in with the calves up, man. But yeah. Like, I, I mean, I just can't believe you release it so close to your hip. Like, you almost release uh-huh. the bag without your elbow, like, moving, which which blows my yeah. mind. But very high rev or very high spin rate, very low, which is why you can't throw the fast bags. Uh, really, like, really flat hand and really hard release point. And, like, has your throw always been that way? Like, does that come naturally? Or, like, where did you suddenly just throw, like, no one else in the entire world? <laughs> so, ba- so, basically, uh, when I first started playing, <clears throat> I did a step just like a uh, Matt guy. Mm-hmm. And then I only did that for, like, a year. And I've been playing for 11 years. So, the way I throw now is how I've been throwing for the past 10 years. But I kind of, so when I first started playing Cornell, Cedro was my favorite player by far. Um, I just loved watching him play. And he just stood still. And he didn't do a step like I was doing. So I'm like, okay, I want to throw like Cedro because he's my favorite player. <clears throat> and I was doing that. And then since I, since I do that kind of calf raise, I kind of want to get my momentum, like my whole body, because I don't want to just throw it with my arm. I kind of want to get my whole body. You know, I uh, I feel like that helps for some reason, but I want to get my momentum going upward and forward at the same time. And I don't know, it's hard to explain the way I throw it, but um, 
basically for anybody out there, it's just you got to do what feels natural and what's comfortable for you. There's no right way of throwing. I think there's no like proper technique or whatever. It's just whatever is most comfortable for you. And I agree with that. Uh, the momentum thing. Are you saying like using your whole body? Because I do the Frank Modlin follow through. Not at, not to the extent that Frank Modlin does, but like I really need to get my momentum going forward with my legs. Because me and Corbin are both steppers as well until like a couple months ago, and we both transitioned to standing still now. But like I still, it's almost like I'm stepping while standing still. You know, I'm still getting that momentum change for me, and then mine just happens to go forward. Yours just goes up. Uh, but I, I I agree with the fact that I I need to get that momentum going. And Corbin, you do the little rock step. That's your transition. Yeah, to it's, it. I mean, it's it's not quite to the extent of like Jordan Power, but it's kind of it's kind of that idea, you know, kind of little rock back, little rock forward still. Because it's like you guys are saying, momentum. I mean, on a hard push, I'm gonna I'm gonna step through too. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta keep things moving forward. That's one thing. Like, Jordan, go ahead. Yeah, Jordan. I like what he said about Jordan Power's like kind of rock. In, yeah, he's got that rock. You can really see how he uses his whole body, mm-hmm. getting everything going forward, kind of like what yeah. I was trying to say, where don't just throw it with your arm, try to throw it with your whole body in a way. Yep. That's why it blows my mind because I played in the ACO major up in Hinkley, Minnesota, and because one of the rules is you can't step over the line until the bag hits the board on ACO. And like if I like now that I've played for this long and talked to as many players, I don't know how – you do that. Cause I'm like, if I throw a hard push, how the hell do I stand still? <laughs> oh yeah. Like I followed through so much to like get the bag up there. It's just that that was the hardest part for me playing the event. I felt like I was like going like this, trying to not fall <laughs> over the line, like every shot. Um, so I'll transition a little bit about the Reynolds. So I, I don't necessarily know the story and I was curious about the story. So one, how did you get in, move over to Reynolds and two, where did this whole Windsor bag co Reynolds collab thing come about like how did that how did that come to fruition well first of all i just want to say thank you to jeff reynolds for always being there for me and sponsoring me i've basically always been with reynolds for basically my whole career um i went with or the reason why i first started throwing the reynolds bags was because i could flop and roll and do all that and not many people were doing that like five or six years ago or whatever so i was trying to just be different i guess um but the windsor bags i've always wanted my own business for basically like my whole life like that was just kind of my goal or my uh career i guess was i just always wanted my own business and i didn't know what it was going to be in or what field or whatever and Bags or cornhole has always been my passion and what I'm good at. So um, I learned that like NBA players would make 50% of their money playing basketball. And then the other 50% was like from like sponsorships and endorsements and all that. And I wanted to kind of be like that in a way, you know, not just have tournament winnings or just a sponsorship. You know, I wanted to get into sales. So it took me like six months to organize everything and get the company started and up and going. And I started it on my birthday uh, last year, which was November 1st. So Windsor Bags has only been a thing for a little over a year now. 
but uh, I'm pretty sure like 65% of businesses break even or lose money within the first year. And I actually had some profits. So it's it's been really fun. And it's just the beginning. I, I know I have a lot of work to do still and a lot of learning, but um, I'm definitely on the right track and I'm only 25. So I think five years from now, it'll definitely be big. But uh, basically Windsor Bags is, I just co-brand my bags. So like I'll have Windsor Bags logo and Reynolds Bags on bags. And then I'll have manufacturers for like t-shirts and hoodies and hats and all that. And then I have boards on the website as well. And and anything's possible. I can only go up from here, I think. Yeah. No, and I can appreciate the entrepreneur, like, because I'm the same, like, with this YouTube thing, right? So the podcast, right? I do vlogs, we do reviews, we do, like, all this other stuff is, my goal, too, is in five years. Like, right now, it's small. But I'd say Cornhole in general, the trajectory and the five-year plan for Cornhole is like this. You know, I mean, like, it's already growing at an astronomical rate. I mean, look how many bags come out every single week. It feels like, uh, oh, yeah. but, but I mean, just with the prize pools increasing, more people wanting to play pro, more people seeing it on TV, the, the interest on the internet and YouTube being big. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way as you. Like I've always wanted to have my own business or be self-employed. So I'm trying to do this YouTube thing. And five years from now, I'll try to do that as a content creator, like come do commentary with canine or dick around with you guys at events, you know, and get you on camera, that kind of stuff. Right. So I can really appreciate the entrepreneur mentality because I, th- I think i think our generation because i'm 26 so like our generation is very much so like we don't want to be stuck in an office job anymore and we're all trying to find something that isn't corporate america because it's just it's so difficult to enjoy that lifestyle with who we are as people at our generation with the technology and socialization and stuff it's so hard to want to sit in an office all day so I think it's really cool that you're taking in the other avenues other than playing because you're not going to be able to play forever. I mean, you might be able to, but I mean, like if you can have another avenue to fall back on so you don't have that pressure on yourself to always win, I think that's really cool. Basically, every real job that I've had, um, like I'd be like low man totem pole or like they'd want me to work weekends or they wouldn't give me time off to go travel to tournaments and stuff. And I'm just like, I have to follow my heart. I have to follow my passion. And basically i'm like i'm gonna take the risks you know a lot of my family and friends were like well what if it don't work out you know what if what if this and that and i'm like i'm not a what if person i'm i'm gonna take the risk like if it doesn't work out well hey my mom will let me come back and move in with her if it doesn't work (laughs) out i'd I'd rather take the risk than sure than take the risk um Corey, you want to take the partner part? Yeah, man. It's, I'm actually glad you brought him up too. Um, Cause you partner with Isidro and you said he was one of your favorite players. Like how did you guys actually come to being partners? You know, you starting out him being well into it and then, Hey, I love this guy. I love watching him play. And now we're partners. Like how did that happen? Well, he wasn't one of my favorites. He was, <laughs> sorry. He was the guy. Sorry. I misspelled. <laughs> he was my favorite player by far. Um, so yeah, when I when I first started uh, playing bags or cornhole, or whatever, he was he was the king of cornhole. He was like the best in the world, and he actually lived in Illinois, just like me. So I'm like, I gotta meet this guy. So I would always uh, try to figure out which tournaments he would go to. <laughs> so I would message uh, Rudy Rutherford. He's 
like considered the godfather of bags. Um, he he knew of all the tournaments, so I would always text him and be like, you know, where's these tournaments at? Where do you think Cedro will be? And I would go to the tournaments he would be at every single time, but I would lose every single time. <laughs> uh, you know, he would win. He would win every tournament, but like I was getting better and better. Like I would lose twenty one four, then it was twenty one eight, and like twenty one twelve, twenty one fifteen, twenty one eighteen. And then I finally beat him after so many times, but uh, he would just he would just slide him in all day long. And then I was like, okay, I, I gotta block him. And then I block him, and he would just drain the airmail every time. I'm like, dude, this man is just different. You know? <laughs> like, this man is just on a whole other level. I don't get it. And uh, so, anyways, his his normal partner was Steve Vandiver, mm. uh, the dude that throws, like, in between his legs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. But his wife won the Queen of Cornhole, Jen Vandiver. So she was, like, the best female player in the world and one of the best players just in general in the world. So Steve uh, decided to partner with Jen full-time because they're husband and wife, and I think they live in Ohio. And Cedro lives in Illinois, so it was kind of hard for Cedro and Steve to play in all these tournaments, you know, being states away. So uh, Cedro uh, asked me to play in a tournament, and uh, it was actually the day of my aunt and uncle's wedding. So I was like, man, I, you know, Cedro's my favorite player in the world. I can't say no, but it's like family always comes first. So it's like, I can't just miss my aunt and uncle's wedding. Uh, so I talked to my dad about it. He goes, just go talk to your aunt and uncle. So I did. And my aunt Lori and uncle Hart told me, uh, we're just getting married in the backyard. It's no big deal. We know we got your support. Go play in that tournament with Cedro. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go, I go play in the tournament with Cedro. And sure enough, Steve and Jen Vandiver were actually there at that tournament. Mm -hmm. So that and that was the championship. It was me and Cedro versus Steve and Jen, and we actually won. So then, you know, very next weekend, me and Cedro go play in another tournament. We won that too, and then ever since we've just been partners. Nice. So shout out to awesome. my uh, aunt Lori and Uncle Hart <laughs> <laughs> for being cool as hell. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So what what bags are you guys gonna be throwing this year? We're we're gonna be throwing my platinum bags in doubles. We won the first ACL Open this season in Chicago with my uh, platinum bags. Nice. Uh, he Cedro throws the typhoons and singles. He loves the typhoons, but. And I love the Titans too, but I like to be able to block and flop and cut and all that. But uh, Cedro loves the Platinum too. Like I just said, we won the ACL Open. You know there's always going to be the highest competition at those. I think we beat Jay Rubin and Jordan Power, which are great players in the championship there. So, Well, it's crazy yeah, that he's Cedro able to throw those i mean being a typhoon player being able to switch over to platinums and still compete i mean that just shows how good he actually is because that's a He's vastly so different play style with those bags yep. he throws a machine um last <laughs> season he was top 10 in both singles and doubles and then 
uh, <clears throat> he was just so slick size of my pro advantages every time. And if people will block him, he'll just air move. Steve Jones is a great partner. I love having him. And we, he's always been my guy. And we're, we got a good bracket going into Vegas. Um, we, we got a lot of confidence together. And I'm very grateful to have him as my partner. Yep. And what makes you guys so good together? Is it because he's just machine slick, whatever, and lets you be dirty? Or do you guys have really good chemistry and, you know, you just play well? I think what makes me and him a great team is we've been together forever. Like everyone will always switch sponsors and switch bags and switch these different bag companies every year. And they'll even switch partners a lot. But me and Cedro, we've always been with Reynolds and we've always stuck together. We win together. We lose together. Um, I will be there for him off the courts just in life in general. And he will be there for me. Like he came to my senior graduation party. Uh, he's been there for me for a lot of other stuff in life, just off the court. So no matter what, Cedro will always be my good buddy. So that's awesome. I think that's what makes us so great is that we always stay by each other's sides through the dark times and tough times. We always will have each other's back on and off the courts. That's awesome, dude. So what do you find as the, uh, you know, cause I, and I love that you say that cause I was talking to my doubles partner recently and I, and I think we've played like five, six tournaments together. And I think that the biggest hurdle is getting over the barrier of being afraid to let your partner down and knowing that your partner wants you to take the shot. Right. Like, I mean, like, like if you got the thing open and you're like, I'm going to roll the bag, like you guys are at the point now that he's like, he's not, you don't need to ask him like, Hey, do you want me to roll? Like, he's just like, I trust you, you do it. Right. But getting to that level of trust where like, if you guys lose, you know, he's not going to be mad at you or blame you, you know, or something you know, because you missed the airmail or wh- whatever has it. I think getting to that level is the the biggest hurdle, in my opinion, for a doubles team is getting to the point that you could just trust each other and be like, we win or lose together. It's, you know, it, that's how it goes. Yeah, basically, I'll do my thing. He'll do his thing. We won't really communicate with each other. Um the only time we'll really communicate is if we don't know if like a bag fell in the hole or not. Like he knows what shot he's going to do. I know what shot I'm going to do. We're never going to tell each other what to do. We'll just say, well, this is kind of the situation or whatever. And he's going to do his thing. I'm going to do my thing. And it always meshes up together. And we've always been, we've always been at the very end every time. But it's like we haven't quite – we haven't won a national championship yet, but hopefully Vegas is the one for us. And then I guess it leads me into the question because, like, there's a there's a lot of different dynamics to doubles partner. Like, we were talking to Jamie Graham. Like, he said for years he was partners with, like, his his boys that he went out with afterwards and got drink. They had that chemistry. Or, like, then you got the teams that throw the exact same bags. Or you got the teams that have the exact same play style. Like, what do you think is the biggest – key in your opinion to a doubles team a doubles partner like what what do you think is the most important attribute for you guys to be on the same page about or that kind of thing great question i would say definitely uh the the types of bags you throw you're gonna have to throw the same types of bags as your partner and then i think i think chemistry like you said about jamie graham going and hanging out and having drinks with his partners on and off the court but then again, 
guess you don't necessarily need a lot of chemistry to win because him and Matt Guy won two national championships last year. There's not much chemistry there, I don't think, but they still got the job done. So. They call. I think he called I that know. one a. Uh, he called it a, a business interaction. But uh, they're there. Yeah. They're there to win. They're there to uh-huh. win. <laughs> you know, and but they're both. They're both. I think they're both just so good that doesn't really matter. Uh, but I, I like that. And then uh, I, I think this is probably one of the most common questions that uh, I'm sure you probably get asked or people are wondering of where the heck's the story of the blind squirrel? Why are you the blind squirrel? What the hell? <laughs> where did that come from? So it was my first ever ESPN national championship I played in, which was like three years ago. It was in Florida. It was outside, like a baseball field. Well, I won my brackets. I made it on ESPN. And then I I uh, played Jordan Camba in the championship. And then I, I won the tournament. So uh, the ACL, which Jordan Camba was number one player in the world at that time. And uh, the ACL was kind of trying to start something on Facebook or something. I'm not exactly sure. But the ACL posted a meme that said uh, how Jordan Campbell's number one in the world, blah, blah, blah. It was like, Jordan Campbell on Ryan Windsor beating him. A blind squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> the ACL posted that. Uh, not Campbell, you know, the ACL. So <laughs> I'm like... No, if Kamba wants to say that, that's fine, whatever. But for the ACL to kind of say that about me, that's kind of something. So there's a bunch of comments, whatever, and I'm just sitting back, just taking everything. And they're like, Windsor, what do you think about all this? I'm like, I'm just sitting back. And then finally a couple of days go by, and I made a meme back at uh, Jordan Kamba from his younger days. and It said... Uh, it said something on there, but I fired shots back. And uh, <laughs> then I've won a national championship every single year. I've been in the ACL. I've been in the ACL for three years, and I've been ranked one, two, and two. So I just keep finding a bunch of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you're you're a really good blind. You're really good at being blind, man. Yeah, I mean, there's actually blind squirrel uh, peanut butter whiskey. I got for yeah. My mom got bought me a couple bottles of it for Christmas this year. Maybe I'll get sponsored by them or something. <laughs> that that's a good spot. You just got the blind squirrel sponsor right in the chest. Yeah. Um, I like the nickname, but I found a lot of nuts. So, I'm not so <laughs> blind after all. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I guess we talked a little bit about this with your with your facility that you got at home for practice. Uh, but what's, do you have a go-to practice routine other than just playing yourself? Like, I mean, is it like you warm up just sliding them all in? Do you lay stuff down and practice rolls? Like, like where, what do you kind of do? Is it like whatever you're feeling that day or is there some kind of thing that you've perfected that's really helped you get it the reps in? So I, this one year I practiced every single day, no matter what, for an hour minimum for a whole year. And I only took, I think three days off being sick or something but like the next days i would do like three hours to make up so it's, it's just consistency it's just throwing every single day but how i prep but I, you know i did prep different practice schedules a lot like i'd lay out four bags in front of the hole on both boards and for one day i would just simply practice the flop shot every single time for an hour or two hours straight and then 
the next day I'd just leave the bags in front of the hole again and I would just practice just simply throwing air mails all day long for an hour or two hours for that day. And then the next day I would just kind of do normal play. But, you know, I'm always switching up uh, how I throw and the shots I throw, but it's just it's just putting in the work and just outworking everybody and throwing as much as you possibly can because whoever works the hardest, I think hard work beats talent. So whoever works the hardest will eventually rise above, I think. And then uh, what what is your one piece of go-to advice for maybe a uh, up-and-coming player, someone who's really trying to make it pro, maybe they're really good in the competitive advanced scene kind of thing? Like, like is it just keep grinding or like what, what's the one thing that like everyone should get better at or what's your tip? I would just say uh, be patient and trust the process. Um, I've been playing for 11 years and I'm still being patient and just trusting the process even after 11 years. So if you're someone new to the game that's only been playing for say two or three years or whatever, uh, you know, you have to outwork everybody, but you know, things aren't going to happen overnight. You know, things take time and it's a long process for everybody. So just stick with it just and balance out your life. Like don't just bags or cornhole, 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 you know, you have to be very well balanced out, but, Mostly just be patient and trust the process is any advice I could give. And one more question I got, kind of an off-the-cuff question. So when we had Jamie Graham in the podcast, he said uh, one line that he said was, because we asked him, how do you handle the pressure at like a high-end event or like on the TV? And he's it's, it's like, one word, alcohol. And then he said, he said uh, if they banned alcohol or anything at every ACL event, there would be a lot of people that would have to relearn a lot of parts about the pressure parts of the game. Like, can you agree to that? Or what do you think is the pros and cons of kind of taking the vibe off? Or do you think pure sober is the easiest way to go? I disagree with what he said. Alcohol is not the answer, but if it works for him, I mean, everybody's different. So it, it works great for him. JB Rams is a great player. Uh, but that just doesn't work for me. You know, sometimes you know, I'll drink and play drunk, whatever, but I, that's definitely not the answer for me. I think the answer to just staying calm and handling pressure is just, uh, I think it's all in your breathing. You know, there's like certain breathing techniques that I've learned and just, it's just staying calm. And just focusing on yourself and the bags you're holding, the bags you're throwing, and the hole that you're shooting at. Don't look at the crowd. Don't look at all the lights around you. Don't look at uh, the people recording. You know, don't don't like look at everything. Just focus on you, your bags, and the hole, and staying calm. And I I don't know. I I don't think alcohol is the answer, but it works, man. You know, everyone's different, but not for me. Well, awesome. And then do you, so I mean, we've kind of finished most of the questions we wanted to ask. So do you want to do a shout out for all your sponsors and stuff? Yeah. So this year I have uh new sponsors, which I'm very grateful for all my sponsors. Uh, I haven't got my Jersey yet, but I'm going to get my jerseys in Vegas. Um, but I have four sponsors this year, actually five. I have five sponsors this year. Um, I would like to shout out to Windsor bags. 
Reynolds bags, slot cornhole, 21 apparel, and Genesis K-Motion tape. Awesome. Those are my five sponsors this year, and I'm very grateful for each and every one of them. Well, Corbin, you got any other questions you want to ask? Man, I think you kind of answered everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> Honestly. Well, guys, I mean, obviously one of the greatest players to play in the last at least, you know, eight, nine years and going to continue to be one of the top players in the future. He's always at the top. He's always competing at the end. But make sure you guys check out, is it windsorbags.com or what's the website tier? Windsorbags.com. Windsorbags.com. That's where you could find. They have the gold, the platinum. They have lines that aren't on direct on the Reynolds site, as well as all the other Reynolds lines with the Windsor logo on them. And you support, you know, a guy trying to make his own name for himself and stuff. The platinum bags that we're me and Corbin are definitely gonna have to get a set to try. Corbin, I don't know why you didn't buy yeah, them. I'm what probably, the heck's wrong with you? I, dude, I should have. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here like, man, I'm about to go buy a t-shirt and some bags. I know. I was like, crap. Now I gotta support this guy. Oh man, I was hoping he'd be terrible, man. I wouldn't buy his stuff. Anymore. Right. And then I wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> no, but I'll be at the uh, I'll be at the ACL Open in Iowa in March. So I, I know we hung out for a little bit at Triple Crown, but I'd love to hang out with you a little bit more in in, uh, in March time frame and maybe try out some of your bags. But everybody's listening. You know, shout out to Reynolds. Check out Reynolds bags. Check out Windsor bags. Uh, good luck this year, man. I am really look, rooting for you this weekend in Vegas. Hopefully, you and your doubles partner find success. And also, I mean, singles obviously. Pretty, you got solid brackets all around, so hopefully you can uh, stick with it, you know. And I, I think the biggest thing too is like, obviously for anyone who plays, is like never get complacent, you know. I mean, the crazy part about the ACL, I remember Trey Ryder said this in one of the vlogs was, um, he walked in the room for a national and he goes, "There's 256 people in here, 180 of them you've never heard of, and they will all skunk you." And he's like, he's like the level of he's like the level of play with players that you've never even heard of before is just that that high. So, you know, there's no freebies at all. So really look forward to watching you play. Hopefully we see you on the stream a good amount, you know, and uh, root for you and see see some 650 pound calf raises. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. It'll be fun out in Vegas. Awesome. Well, uh, really appreciate you joining us for the podcast, man. It was another fun one. Really like seeing your insight on a lot of the stuff as well as someone who's been around for such a long period of time. Uh, you know, wish you really good luck and uh, look forward to watching you play. Everyone who's listening, appreciate you guys stopping by for another podcast. Uh, another fun one. We love getting personalities like Ryan on the podcast. Get some, get some, the person out of the uh, player, you know, get a, get a little insight in this dude's life. So appreciate you guys stopping by for another podcast. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Hope you have a great day and rest of your week and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks, guys.